This is The Dugout. Weekly interviews with Mariners manager Scott Service. Brought to you by Pizza Hut and by Mazda of Everett. Inside access to the clubhouse from Shannon Dreyer. Every Tuesday at 1 with Bumping Stacy on Seattle Sports Station. The home of the Mariners. All right, we are waiting on the skipper, Scott Service, to call in here just moments away from the Scott Service show before we get to that. Shannon Dreyer in studio with us, Mariners Insider. Uh, Shannon, I got to say, I am a little nervous, and we'll ask Scott this question once he joins us, about how they're going to handle these suspensions moving forward. Well, I think the good news is is we've learned that they don't have to be served at the same time. That's good. So that's good. So they will be shorthanded. You're not allowed, if it's an on-field violation that a player is suspended for, you cannot replace that player. So they will be short a person on the bench that day. And, of course, losing gold glove defense at short, that hurts. Losing any of Julio hurts and Jesse Winker, you hope to see that reduced a bit because that is a long time. A week is a long time for a hitter to not be seeing big league pitching. So it, it will have an impact. What about Carlos Santana? They bring him in. Ty France is going to miss a considerable amount of time. What can we expect out of Carlos? Well, you know, he uh, they actually acquired him a few years ago, and uh, I think it was they knew they were going to flip him at the same time for another first baseman in Edwin Encarnacion. But uh, this is a guy that was known in Cleveland as just a great clubhouse presence. So first and foremost, that adds another really good, solid veteran to this clubhouse, and it is a younger clubhouse, so I think that helps. But uh, his month of June with the bat has been quite good. He is always going to give you a good at bat. He has a, a very high walk great when he is going good he's also hitting along with that when he's not that can kind of sustain him as he goes along so it's good to see him hitting in the month of june and you hope that you pick him up on on kind of a high note right now were you like i'm sure uh, bump and i and many listeners and seeing julio's two-game suspension thinking i agree with julio what did he do yeah, and I, I'm sure you did this, Stacy. I know you very well. You have poured over every piece of available exactly right. video that is <laughs> absolutely, you Correct. know, and probably we're, we're still doing it five minutes ago, and there's some good ones. And did you see the one on Instagram from the fan who was yes. right behind yeah. home plate? That angle, What did you think of that? How does that compare to what you used to do, Bump? Man, it, it felt like UW versus Washington State <laughs> after dogs. the game right there, man. <laughs> Winker with some left hooks. I'm I like, think, okay, Winker. I'm going to go ahead and say Winker was UW. Can I claim that? Nah. No. I th- what? Nah. Cause oh, we, come on. Come if there's on. anything we're going to do better than UW, is we're fighting oh, better than UW. Fine. Come on now. Fine. Okay, we'll take JP and Julio. Then. That's exactly right. Fine. We get Julio. We get Julio. You spoke too soon. I, I like the guy who lost a shoe. I was most worried for him. One of the and ones stops I stops to put his shoe on. Well, you have to. They all had cleats on. That right? might have been in the worst shape in that. I think the, the biggest uh, kind of weird move is going to have to be the sunflower seeds and the bubble gum. And my favorite line, because Rick Riz is calling it, oh, and now there are seeds all over the field. <laughs> Which is exactly, <laughs> shout out to type A people, to all of my type A viewers watching this game, immediately just thinking, oh, those are going to be impossible to pick up. They were bagged, thankfully. But And I think John Boy had it correctly, because when he went to the shot of where he had the three Angels players picking yeah. it up, they're like, we don't want anything to do with this anymore. <laughs> we're just going to go pick thing. up seeds Have over you ever here. sat between two people fighting, and you take on your phone, and you just like, oh, I'm just going to open and close my <laughs> text messages over and over again no new text are we done yet no scroll through my home screen let me look at my emails uh shannon obviously it was something that i'm sure the mariners look back on as much as fans might have thought it was funny as much as the baseball world was watching in awe that was probably the biggest fight i've seen this year i'm sure the mariners are thinking you know what in hindsight I wish that wouldn't have happened because now we're short three guys. Well, no, and here's the thing, because a lot of times when you have that kind of 
fight or any, even if they're just getting out and just kind of shoving and pushing each other, that'll fire up a team. And, you know, they're talking about it afterwards and, oh, this is, this can provide a spark. Mariners didn't need that. They had that earlier this year in Houston. They didn't need to risk injury of players. They didn't need to risk suspension of players. They did not need this. The Angels are the ones who needed it. They had the 14-game losing mm-hmm. streak shortly before they came to Seattle. Since they left Seattle, I believe they had lost, uh, including the two, game one and two that they lost to the Mariners in Anaheim. I think they'd lost six of seven games right there. They had an interim manager who was trying to figure things out and still is trying to figure things out. They're the ones, you know, to me, the whole thing, I think, was orchestrated by them to get them going. And unfortunately, the Mariners kind of got sucked into it. All right. Joining us now, the skipper himself for the Scott Service Show. It is Scott Service, presented by Pizza Hut with support from Mazda of Everett. Scott, how's it going? Doing good. Sorry I'm a little late, guys. I, I just got out of the hot tub. I'm a little stiff for, uh, for whatever reason. I'm not quite sure. <laughs> I can't imagine, uh, Scott, what that would have been, but I, I think it must have been nice to be able to relax some of those muscles, uh, ease some of that tension, I would think. Yeah, it's what happens when you get old. Uh, <laughs> I'm, learning, I'm learning that really quickly. But, uh, no, uh, glad to be on. Hope you guys are doing well. And uh, let me guess what we want to talk about today. Yeah, you know, Scott, I'm going to make a statement more than a question. I'm a football guy i've been in some brawls myself and i want you to know right now i will play for you whatever you need you need a ball boy you need someone just to to help out in the dugout whatever you need like the fact that you guys got out there and did what you did i know it's unfortunate you don't want to be in those situations um but they happen sometimes and um it really shows some unity and uh i just uh, appreciate uh you getting out there and i hope you're good i hope your your muscles are relaxed and and you're ready for the, the game tonight uh, thanks. I appreciate you saying that, Bump. Uh, and, you know, you've been a part of teams your whole life, and, you know, and, and it's really family, and, you know, when a certain guy gets in a spot, obviously Winker was in a tough spot there. You just react, you know, you react. And uh, I think as I was uh, trying to run over there to calm or to try to make peace, uh, I forgot that I was 55 and not 25. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh, I have quickly realized, and, uh, you know, Unfortunately, those things, uh, they happen. It's not good. It's not good for Major League Baseball, baseball at any level. Uh, but, you know, sometimes guys let their emotions uh, take get the best of them. And, you know, as a coach or a manager, um, mm-hmm. I thought our staff did a nice job, best we could, of trying to calm it down, uh, you know, because when those things happen, nothing good is ever going to come out of it. I will say, I mean, looking at it, we were talking about it the next day, you can't really blame people for getting fired up in the moment. And there were plenty of people trying to break it up and pull it apart, but I couldn't help thinking to the umps like, wait, this, this should have been stopped. There were so many moments to keep this from accelerating and, and, and to cool it off a bit that I feel like they didn't take. I know that puts you, that question puts you in, in a weird spot, but uh, do you see examples of how this could have been avoided and, and how people can avoid it going forward? Yeah. You could always look back and say, well, if this would have happened or if this person would have done that, but it really does no good to, to replay it. It happened. Uh, again, uh, we're going to pay the, the consequences for it. You know, we're going to lose three of our most impactful players here that are going to get suspended for short amounts of time. And, you know, we have to figure out a way to overcome that because at the end of the day, it's about winning games and, and we need to be more consistent with that. And it's going to hurt having some of our best players out. So, I, I see where you're going, Stace. I, I don't begrudge you for asking the question, but it really knows no good to go back and replay it again. It's, it's unfortunate it happened. It's not good for baseball, um, you know, and everybody's talking about it right now. But we need to let it pass. We need to focus on uh, getting on top of the Baltimore Orioles because uh, they're a really good ball club and they're playing good right now.
Scott, there was a lot of talk in the clubhouse, and understandably about it yesterday. I know you talked to them on Sunday. Did you talk to them again and say, okay, come on, let's focus on what's in front of us right now? Uh, I don't think so. You know, we talked after the game on Sunday. thought it was important. I got the team together uh, and discussed, you know, the fact that we did have a very good road trip. We won five out of six games and then talk about a little bit what, what happened on the field today and, and uh, you know, make sure that everybody uh, understood that we are in this together. And it wasn't going to do any good for anybody to – you know, say some unnecessary things in the media and stoke the fire. We did not want to put gasoline on it. We needed to calm it down, and I think our guys handled it okay. And, you know, we just, like I said, we need to focus on the Baltimore Orioles, uh, you know, and, and play, start playing better at home. You know, home has not been our friend here recently um, for a number of different reasons, and, you know, hopefully we can get it going back in the right direction tonight. Okay, two questions here, and that we know that their suspensions are coming. We heard they do not have to be served all at the same time. Have you heard anything about when the the appeal hearings will be heard? And also, it looked like we saw some encouraging things on the field with a couple of your guys coming back from injury. Can uh, you give any update on Kyle Lewis in particular, who was hitting on the field yesterday? Yeah, Kyle is, is progressing. His his uh, symptoms have uh, kind of subsided. He's feeling much better. He's getting his heart rate up. He's, he's doing baseball activities, as you mentioned. He took some BP on the field yesterday. Uh, I talked to Mitch Hanniger here just a little while ago. He's probably going to try to get out there early today and take a few swings on the field as well. He's feeling much better. Uh, picked up his baseball activity and light jogging and things like that. So those two guys are so critical to our offense they can do so much damage and really give presence throughout the lineup so uh, we desperately need them back and and hopefully they can get back on the field sooner rather than later but uh, again you know going forward tonight we're going to add carlos santana uh, to our our lineup tonight we just acquired him Uh, we've known him a long time played against him a bunch he's got a ton of experience uh, and hopefully he can help us out a little bit at first base until ty france gets back scott with all the craziness that has gone on to me i look at this and i see opportunity i see opportunity for a backup to step up or a guy to get called up and take advantage of that i see opportunity um for a leader to step up and maybe play a role that he doesn't normally play on a day-to-day basis um is that part of how you guys are moving forward and seeing this whole thing well it certainly does create opportunity bump and we've seen a number of guys throughout the year step up i think you know this in our, our current situation i think we've seen what cal raleigh has done you know Tom Murphy and, and uh, you know was was kind of our starting catcher coming into this thing and and he went down with a significant injury and Cal came back from a, a brief sprint sprint in the minors and and he's been great since he's come back he's made some adjustments so you know these situations create opportunity for guys I think we have a number of guys that are capable of stepping in what you don't want to do Bob is try to get guys to do things that they're not capable of doing because they're trying too hard to carry the load you know just be who you are. I talk about it a lot, you know, as a player in the clubhouse. Don't try to do too much. I think don't be the guy to try to hit the three-run homer every night and put the team on your shoulders because there's not many guys in the league that can do that. But if your job is to get on base, play really good defense, you know, give us a good at-bat with runners in scoring position, do those little things that allow us to win the game, that's all we're looking for. Mm-hmm. Hey, Skip, we've seen, speaking of Cal Raleigh, him develop as a hitter and, and take off as a hitter with a, with a home run to break up that no-hitter last night. Uh, one of the highlights for you guys, and obviously that's great, but from a catcher's point of view, from a former catcher's point of view, how have you seen him develop as a catcher behind the plate? Well, he's taken a ton of ownership in what's going on with our pitching staff, and that's a great sign when you see that of a young catcher. Cal's really smart. He makes good adjustments. Um, He's a creative game caller. He understands there's times you have to go against the game plan based on what the the other team's telling you. So he checks a lot of those boxes. He does a good job with his receiving. 
stealing all the extra strikes he can get. His throwing's been pretty consistent. So, like I said, he checks all the boxes back there. But the biggest thing that, that I've noticed from his defensive side is, is his ownership in it. Um, he's much more vocal in our pre-series meetings, talking about the opposition, talking about our own pitchers, what he can do to help them, what we need to do as a group to help them along. And it's paying dividends for us. I think our pitching has been outstanding. Uh, you know, for the last two or three weeks. I know George Kirby stubbed his toe a little bit last night. They were on him. But for the most part, we've been very consistent. And our pitching is what allows State in this thing, you know, and, and be competitive as our offense is trying to catch up. And Cal plays a big role in that. Scott, how much of what we see from him as far as, you know, the leadership that you're talking about, the creative behind the plate, uh, he is a young guy, but he grew up in a baseball family. How much of that do you think is, is responsible for that? Well, I think it's a lot. He's been around baseball his whole life. You know, his dad was a college coach, so that means Cal was around the team. Uh, probably as a 10, 11, 12-year-old, you start hearing conversations and you're watching catchers and how guys throw bullpens and how the game should be played. It certainly helps. I think, again, you know, Cal's personality is not going to bowl you over. He's not like in-your-face type guy. Uh, he, he wants to build relationships with guys before he starts challenging them. And the guys he has the longest relationships with, you know, like Logan Gilbert, and he'll go right at Logan, <laughs> which is great to see. You know, you need to have that uh, as a catcher and as a leader. But uh, I really like the steps he's taken. Uh, hopefully he continues to, to move forward. Uh, it doesn't speak to all what he's done offensively. Uh, really credit to him. He has made some big-time adjustments and has paid off for him. Scott, last night we saw Kirby struggle in a way that we just haven't seen all year. You're watching this go down, and, and you feel for the young man, but you, you knew days like this were going to happen with, with a few days off as a pitcher, how do you do you approach this time off? And as, as a skip, how do you how do you approach it with him? Well, I think you know we we kind of you know have the debrief after everybody's outing. You know, you can look at video, you get the information back from you know your pitches, your pitch sequencing, where the pitches were in the strike zone. The one thing about George, he throws a ton of strikes, and you match that up against some teams, and it's an awesome matchup. Other teams like the Baltimore Orioles, they're swinging. They, they jump off the bus, they're ready to hack. Yeah. And, you know, when you throw that many pitches in the strike zone, and, and not real quality, they're just in the zone. They weren't on the edges so much, and they barreled them. They barreled them up. You have to give the Orioles credit. They were ready for George last night. So now George has to make a little bit of adjustment when he's facing those type of teams in the future. It's just it's part of learning, you know. And a big part of pitching, too, is certainly we want to, you know, dominate the strike zone, get after it. But there's certain teams or certain hitters, you don't have to throw them that many strikes. And if you don't throw them strikes, it's really hard to hit, hit the ball hard if they're chasing the ball out of the zone. And I think it's a lesson George learned last night, and he'll be better for it going forward. We've got just about another minute before we have to let you get back to your recover there, recovery there. <laughs> Make sure you skip. stretch. Yep, stretch. Stretch is good. Yeah. Ibuprofen, everything else. Um, did you happen to take a puppy home last night? What? Uh, we've already got one at home, but I appreciate you bringing that up, Shannon. Uh, my wife, Jill, has done a fantastic job working with rescues throughout the state of Washington, and she's put her efforts, tied it in with the Mariners, working with her uh, and create some awareness for our Bark in the Park nights. I think there was over 1,000 dogs here last night. Uh, there'll be two more of these events coming up throughout the season. The dogs are on the field pregame. Our players we're all over it, and I think we're going to adopt one of these dogs into the clubhouse here. So uh, that's where it's headed. But uh, really all the credit goes to my wife, Jill. She's done an outstanding job. She spends a ton of time uh, throughout the state for a rescue uh, and just dog welfare, and uh, it's paying off. And Everybody loves dogs. I don't know too many people who don't. Yeah. Um, so just opportunity for us to give back to the community. Skip, awesome. I would never ask you to make a promise you can't keep. That's reckless and i would never do that to you however can you promise me that you guys will adopt one of the dogs for a clubhouse dog 
there's been discussion already this morning about that. So uh, I won't make a promise, okay. but it's def- definitely leaning that way. We've got to talk to Jack Mossaman, who's in charge oh, of everything. Oh, this in is the done. Clubhouse. This is and done. Jack is a big fan, so we'll, okay. we'll have to talk to Jack a little bit more. And can I suggest it be Duncan, the Collie Shepherd pup? I, I would like to see Duncan every day, and that would keep the reporter in a much better mood, Shannon let alone some of your players. Now keeping you for an extra 10 minutes just talking, talking puppies. Back right. to the hot tub. Scott, we'll let you go. Thanks so much for taking the time. Thanks, Scott. Sounds good, guys. Have a good day. I've, i got to be honest with you guys. I don't mean to be this person. I don't want to be this person. But I would be lying if I didn't start with my biggest takeaways. There's going to be a clubhouse dog. Like I don't <laughs> want to head in that direction. That I, is... I want to go to the news stuff, but like... I, I I would be lying. I, I need to be honest with myself. Well, it was one of the best sights. We'd been away from. I hadn't been in the Oakland clubhouse in a long time. Did you ever? Were you in the Raiders clubhouse? Or, no. Uh, it, oh, good grief! <laughs> it's just awful. awful. It is. It is bad. Um, but they have a grounds dog there named Reba. I don't know what kind of dog. It's kind of a medium-sized, skinny brown dog, nice dog, beautiful eyes and all that. And you used to see it on the field, and you could go pet him. Well, Reba, during the last two years when, you know, the clubhouses, when the you know stands weren't open for part of the time and whatnot, now has the run of the place. So I walk into the visitor's clubhouse, and there is Reba. And let me tell you, that is a good life for a dog, being able to go into a clubhouse. And, you know, Ty France has given it, you know, some peanut butter toast, and JP's given it granola bars and everything else. And, yeah. Yeah, just absolutely a, a mood lifter anytime, obviously, you have a pup in the clubhouse. So I think that's a good move. Man, that's one thing I wish football could adopt, having a... a locker room? Do- yeah. What's stopping them? Well, you know, I've seen, like, groundskeepers bring their dogs to practice, and they're running around or whatnot, but they kind of just stay with the groundskeepers. You know, I think that would that would change and, and help morale if you had a pet in the, in the locker room, for sure. All right, let's jump back to what we learned from Scott's service today. As far as uh, how they're going to move forward without these guys, it sounds like they're going to be able to stagger them. But he talked a lot about, you know, like we're going to need leadership. We're going to need guys uh, to step up. Cal Raleigh could be one of those guys. You've still got Suarez. I mean, Shannon, what do they have working in their favor that they can lean on? What I'm hoping for is that by the time this gets settled, they will have a Kyle Lewis back. They might even have a Ty France back. We don't know yet. They're they're hopeful that France is not going to be out long, and he's trying to push it right now, which you have to put the brakes on him because he did try and play through an injury for two weeks last year, and I think he got one hit in the Mm -hmm. entire time. That's when you knew it was definitely time because Ty France does not go two weeks with just one hit. Uh, So you want to be careful there. So I am hopeful, and you add um, Carlos Santana to that mix. So uh, already you are adding one. I'm hoping there will be at least one more when these players have to start sitting out. But I think the biggest takeaway, and this is what they preach, through and through and he said it be yourself don't try to do too much you know don't try to take on too much if you lose a big guy one guy isn't going to step up and turn into that big guy but if everybody can be themselves and maybe give one percent more that's your best course of action right there what roles do veterans play in situation like this because i look at adam frazier i look at suarez i'm like all right these guys have had enough at bats been in enough clubhouses to work things like this happen when you when you're missing all your dogs out there oh what role do they play in, during the situation? Well, reminding everybody. You know, it's next guy up, but don't do too much. And then I think even after that, they are the ones who perhaps can do a little bit more. Just be a little bit sharper. Just be a little bit more aware of the situation. Know where you're at. And if somebody has to step into a big situation, you know, those guys have all done that before. They, I think they're the ones that get leaned on a little bit more. Service said that they've struggled at home for a couple reasons. We didn't press to say what are those reasons because one of them's just going to be like, yeah, it just hasn't happened, right? Like sometimes in sports and bump, I'm sure you got these questions a lot when someone's yep. like, what happened? And you're like, 
life. I don't know what to tell you. But Shannon, from from your point of view as an analyst, when you look at this team, what hasn't been working out for them in the games you've seen at T-Mobile? I'm not sure yet. And that's something that I did take a look at it last night. And uh, I think they're, you know, three under 500 on the road, four under 500 on the hall at home. And you think, well, that's not that different, but it is because home is supposed to be an advantage. Road is tougher. Um, I do think that they're more comfortable on the road, and, and people don't understand this because they'll think it's tougher on the road for some, but there's another way to look at it in that, especially with younger players who might have younger families, but, you know, even for me, road is easier because when I am home, I am spending my time at home recovering right. from the road trip, yeah. taking care of everything that didn't happen when I was gone, doing whatever I have to do at home while I'm at home, and then getting ready to go again. So I, I think along those lines, I think it can be tougher. I think people guys have more on them yeah. at home. I'm not suggesting that, that that's a burden or they should take a, any of that away, but it can be harder to manage sometimes. And then when they get on the road, all of a sudden, maybe they're getting a little bit more sleep. You know, <laughs> maybe they are. You know, they're they're getting rooms, or a lot of guys won't even leave the room when they're Your singular on the road. focus is that series. is just I think you can is that series and you for that matter, too, which is a little bit tougher to do at home. Interesting. So Kirby struggled last night. You got Robbie Ray on the mound tonight. How awesome would it be for Robbie to pretty much put the team on his back and say, look, I've had two good outings. I'm going to put a third one in. How much pressure would that take off of batters um, when they step into the box? Well, they've been seeing that. I mean, the starting rotation up until last night had, uh, you know, MLB high this year of 24 consecutive starts with three or fewer runs surrendered. If your starter is giving you that, they're giving you a chance to win that game. And they've taken that upon themselves, and as it's gotten rolling, they're taking a lot of pride in being able to do that. So for Robbie, I think it's kind of another night, but I think he also uh, ultimately wants to be that guy that yeah. can be the stopper. we got a little two-game losing streak right now. I'm going to shut it down give them an opportunity to go out there and put some runs on the board. I don't think he has to think about it too much. I think he you know, is aware of where the team is and wants to be that guy, but I think he is more into – Let's continue what I'm doing right now. The two-seamer is working for me, and uh, let's see what we can do the rest of the way. Do you think Scott thought we were kidding or that I was kidding when I said the most important news is that you're getting a clubhouse dog maybe? Like he knows how important that is, right? <laughs> <laughs> he understands that this has to happen. Uh, you guys got that impression, you know right? I, he knows. I, I kind of, I, I got to be honest panicking. with you. Is it it's, happening? I mean, if, if that is something that is going to contribute to wins, then it is most important. To, I you know. have never seen this team lose a game while they have had a clubhouse puppy. This is true. So. Riddle me that, Riddler. All right, uh, coming up next, Shannon, stick it around for the dugout. Bump and I still with you here. Rick Riz is going to join us. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to The Dugout every Tuesday at 1 with Bump and Stacy on Seattle Sports Station, the home of the Mariners. Joining us now, Rick Riz on the Emerald Queen Casino Sportsbook Hotline. Rick, how's it going? I'm fine, Stacy. How are you and Michael, Shannon, everybody over there? I'm doing just fine. We are well. Very excited to talk to you, as always. Uh, obviously, we want to move forward. We want to look ahead. But I have to start with what was a, a very insane uh, brawl between the Angels and Mariners. Uh, Riz, I got to say, I have never heard you sound more bothered, more irritated, yeah. upset, angry on a call than I yep. did when when they threw at Julio. <laughs> I, I was t- I was ticked off. You I really were was. ticked and, off for sure. And, and Stacy, I tried not to say bad words, and I didn't. <laughs> but it was it was absolutely ridiculous what we witnessed on Sunday morning. You know, I, I've seen many many bench clearing uh, 
incidences. I don't want to say brawls, but, you know, basically those are where guys grab their buddies and, and they hold each other until the two guys that are really ticked off at one another are separated, and then everybody goes back to their respective dugouts and bullpens. But this was a, a real full-fledged flight, a fight, a melee. And uh, I've seen a few of those down through the years when guys really did intentionally try to hurt people. But what made this one so different and so obviously bad was the way that it was orchestrated by Phil Nevin, the manager of the baseball team, who sent out a hitman, uh, Andrew Wance, to do what he wanted to do. And that was to hit the best player on the club right now, Julio Rodriguez, there in the top of the first inning over something that wasn't intentional, you know, the night before. That's what made it so ridiculous. And that kid could have gotten hurt. I mean, that was a fastball right, you know, in behind him, behind his neck, right over the top of his shoulders. He could have really gotten hurt. Then he pitches to him. He misses him. His job was, according to Nevin, was to hit him. He pitches to him. He strikes him out. And then in the next inning, he ends up hitting Jesse Winker, which was absolutely ridiculous. Now, the the, the uh, Michael Lorenzen, going back to the first time a player was hurt uh, and hit, that was uh, just enough. He was hitting the helmet, you know, uh, uh, when the Angels were in town. And there was no retaliation because we understood, the Mariners understood, that it wasn't intentional. You know, he was having trouble with the baseballs, and, you know, he couldn't control his fastball. Okay. And then Eric Swanson, we talked to Eric. Uh, you got to pitch uh, Mike Trout inside. He was wearing out the Mariners the whole time that they were playing one another, and you got to pitch him up and inside. And he missed. It was high and inside. Trout was able to get out of the way. He wasn't hit. It wasn't intentional. I've seen so many times where catchers set up outside, Stacy, and they miss way inside. That's, that's 20 inches they miss. If you come up and in, your head's not that far away from your shoulders. And thank goodness, you know, he didn't get hit, but he wasn't trying to hit Mike Trout. They took an exception to that. Then you see Phil Nevin at the end of that ballgame pointing to his head. It's got service in the bench. I'm really upset. Something's going to happen tomorrow. And then you, you take a look at the situation. It was 5-3. Mariners had, you know, had a two-run lead, bottom of the ninth inning, one out. Why would you put him on base anyway? Because – now you got the tying run coming up in Shohei Otani. Just didn't make sense. And besides that, there was, like I said, no intent. Then here comes uh, the next day where we're, we're told that Jose Suarez is going to be the starting pitcher. Okay. And then right before the ball game, uh, later on, we heard whispers that there was going to be a change. And sure enough, he brings in Wance, the hitman, to do what he was told to do. And it was so doggone obvious. And Nevin gets suspended for 10 games. And I, and I had all pleasant conversations with him for three days prior to this, but what he did was wrong. He should have been suspended for a month or longer for what he did and the way they pulled it off. And then, uh, and then it was just a mess after that. But the Mariners, uh, you know, are losing three guys that are so important to the ball club right now, J.P. Crawford, Julio Rodriguez, Jesse Winker. They're losing three relievers in this. So it's really going to hurt the ball club for, you know, for the next week or two, depending upon how they stagger the suspensions and how long they're going to be there in appeal. But what Phil Nevin and the Angels did was absolutely, uh, you can't have that in baseball. You can't hire a hitman to go out there and do the dirty work and then bring in the guy that you wanted to start the ball game. It was, I was ticked off. And so a lot of guys in, that, yeah. in the Mariners dugout in the organization. I'm sure you were mad too. 
Absolutely. <laughs> Riz, Absolutely. As I as I watch the film, I break it down like everyone else has been doing the past few days. I kind of feel for Wentz. Like he was a hired hitman, just like you said. And you see the conversation he has with Winker. He says, Man, I had to. And Winker's confused, like, what do you mean you had to? Has there ever been a situation where a pitcher has refused? Is that like against the unwritten rules of baseball where if you are told to go hit somebody, you got to go hit them? Uh, back in the day, um, everybody went and did their job. I had a long conversation with Mark Langston, you know, after the ball game, he even called me up yesterday. He said, uh, a lot of times, a lot of instances, we, we knew what we had to do. We weren't told, but there were a lot of times where, uh, a pitcher is told, okay, this guy has got to go down because the first incident was intentional. So now the other club takes care of business. They hit the other guy, somebody from there. Now it's done and but now i who knows they got 11 more games between these two teams and it'll be interesting to see what happens but i don't know if anybody has refused because if you're told to do it and you know it's not in you to do it and you don't do it my goodness it's it's kind of tough to go back into that clubhouse because that's a family there and everybody's got each other's back and that's what we saw when jp jumped in that pile and dylan moore and Taylor Trammell just very hugged uh, uh, one of the coaches. And that's the other Large coach. coach. Yeah, large coach, Shannon. Good job yeah. by Taylor. Yeah, and Taylor's a very strong young man. And they just did what they had to do after Rendon threw the first salvo, and that's when all heck broke loose. And Jesse Winker told Shannon and the media and everybody yesterday, if he, if he doesn't chirp, if he doesn't talk, if Nevin doesn't talk, nothing happens. However, I go in front of that as well. The umpires did a terrible job. Mm-hmm. You know, they they knew what was going on. And if they said they didn't see Nevin pointing at his head, you know, at the end of the ball game, you know, the night before, I don't know how you missed that because with, with the media outlets that we have, they should have known that. They should have known the situation. And they should have warned both benches before the start of the game. And as soon as Wentz threw behind Julio Rodriguez, which was an intentional dangerous pitch, Swanson's was not. Wanch should have been thrown out immediately. Nevin should have been gone. And then I think that would have been it. But they mishandled it, uh, the whole situation, and then it totally got out of hand, and it was just a bad situation. Now the Baroness have to pay for it with the loss of three really key players in that lineup. They can't afford that because Ty France is already on the IL. They have injuries. Uh, Luis Trenz is now on, on the IL because of the scrum that happened, you know, a couple of days ago. So uh, um, uh, w- what the Angels did cannot ever happen again to put a pitcher in the ball game to do a specific job like that. And then, oh, by the way, bring in the guy that you really want to start. It was it was a bad situation for the Angels. So, Rick, the Mariners are going to be shorthanded at some point, and it will be yeah. one after the other after the other. Uh, hopefully, I am hoping, obviously, Carlos Santana will be added. I'm hoping maybe we see Kyle Lewis back by the time that happens. But when you look at, and Scott has talked about it, and you know in baseball that it's next man up, and it's important that everybody not try. You can't replace the guy who's out. Be yourself. Try and do your best. But when you look at this lineup, who is somebody that you you see that could, you know what, take a little bit more on when those guys are out? Uh, yeah, I, I think there's a kid that's swinging the bat really well right now, Shannon, as you know, and that's Cal Raleigh. I mean, uh, he's been one of the best hitters on this ball club for the past month. 
and he had a long home run yesterday. It was his 10th home run of the year, and I think that's right up among their, among all catchers in Major League Baseball. Uh, he's been a real leader on this ball club, behind the plate, taking charge of pitchers when they start to go sideways just a little bit. He calls time in his zone. I talked to uh, Scott about that. He said, no, he goes out there in his zone. So this young man is becoming a leader, but it also has to come from the guys that have been around for a while, too. Uh, I think A. Eugenio Suarez is doing a much better job swinging the bat. Last 30 ball games is hitting 274. He leads the ball club in home runs. It, it doesn't come from one guy. It has to come. Like we had a discussion on the roundtable yesterday about, you know, how do you pick it up? Everybody's got to chip in. Uh, back in 1995, when Junior ran out of the wall at the end of May and shattered his wrist, he was out for three months. Everybody chipped in because you can't replace what Junior you know, is going to do for you on a nightly basis. You can't replace Ty France from any one guy. You can't replace, you know, now Julio Winker and J.P. Crawford as as the suspensions are staggered. It has to come from the whole ball club. Jerry pulled off a heck of a deal to get a veteran guy like Carlos Santana who's going to hit, get on base, he can take his walks, he can play first, he can DH. So it has to come from everybody, and that's what happened in 95. Edgar hit 400 for three months when Junior was gone. Mike Blower has hit 20-plus home runs, 96, 98 runs batted in. Uh, Joey Corey, Dan Wilson go right through that lineup, uh, Blow and Tina Martinez. It has to come from the entire ball club and guys coming off the bench and doing their job. So it's uh, that's I hope that's what we're going to see, and I think we will see from the guys on this ball club with those guys out for a while. Yeah, we certainly hope so, too. He is Rick Riz joining us on the Emerald Queen Casino Sportsbook Hotline for the dugout. Riz, thanks so much. You're welcome, Stacy. Thanks a lot. It's going to be fun tonight. <laughs> Fingers crossed. I can't wait. I can't wait. You are listening to The Dugout on Seattle Sports Station on 710 and the Seattle Sports app. All right, we're wrapping things up. Shannon's sticking around uh, for The Dugout, just as she always does. Uh, I, I want to take a little bit of a look ahead, but mostly I want to figure out how the Mariners can handle the big challenge laid out in front of them. That's next. You're listening to The Dugout every Tuesday at 1 with Bump and Stacy on Seattle Sports Station, the home of the Mariners. All Mariners, 1 to 2 p.m. It's called The Dugout. Every single Tuesday, Shannon Dreyer joins us as well, and she's going to help us wrap this thing up. Now, Shannon, I don't want to look too closely at this series, uh, do any pitching previews, because they've got kind of a bigger challenge on their hands. It's not just the game tonight. It's moving forward without, at some point, one of their three top four hitters. Um, Let's talk about, uh, we'll start with players who need to, and most importantly, could step up in their wake. Yeah, and I was right there with Rick. Suarez is somebody that I think absolutely can, and we've said this before when they've had people down, and if he gets going, he's somebody that can be a threat in that lineup. Cal Raleigh, just continue doing what you're doing. He's on a great path right now. Somebody we don't talk a lot about is Taylor Trammell, who is night and day from what we saw last year when he came up. A huge credit to him in what he's doing, and he's been among uh, the team leaders in WRC Plus since he has come back, that overall kind of, you know, they have been very careful how they play him. He's not quite a strict platoon, but he hasn't been seeing lefties as much, and that helps play into it, and I like that they are staying strict with that, and it might be a tough lefty that he doesn't face. He might face somebody who is not as tough, but you know, the more confidence he gets and the more comfortable he gets with the adjustments that he's making, I suspect that you start to see him left in a little bit more for that. So that's where you can see that, too. Santana, you know, when I break it down, you think about it. Julio Rodriguez, two games. Can he get that reduced to one? Probably. Okay, that's one game. Yeah. He'd probably have a day off somewhere Rest anyway. Day. You know, yeah. uh, J.P. Crawford, five. Can we get that to three? It's going to hurt a little bit, but maybe that's going to benefit him. He's in a pretty big struggle right now. He's over his last 20 
maybe goes into the cage and works on some things. Things will be okay there. And then Winker, you know, that, that, that hurts the most because he's just started to get the bat going. And so you don't want him missing that much live pitching and seeing that. So hopefully you get, what is that, 10 games, 11 games, whatever it is total. Hopefully between the three of them you get that too. Okay, it's going to be a week mm-hmm. where it's just kind of one after the other, and you absorb it. And I'm more concerned about that, what that does to them being out, and I think Winker's the one that you worry about right there. We talked about Suarez and Cal Raleigh stepping up. Is it fair to assume that Adam Frazier should step up, too? He's a former All-Star. I mean, he's been around the block a couple times as well. Well, he's had struggles kind of throughout the year. We haven't seen that in his bat, and that is, you know, I, I don't know why that comes out now if it hasn't come out as of yet, and he needs to. That is somebody that absolutely can. We've seen him, you know, he's getting some days off, and, and you're not seeing what you saw from him in the past. So uh, you hope that you see that, but... You're about halfway through the season, and it's been a rough go for him. How do you keep, this is a tough question, but how do you try to keep that momentum going? If you're Scott, and you're heading into this week, and you're saying, you know, I know we lost two in a row, but we were on a nice little streak there. We won some series. We we finally injected some life into this team. How do you keep that going while you're dealing with these suspensions, while you've got guys down? Well, the guys have been down. So this is just one more. You are getting Carlos Santana, and I hope that was a good message to the club. It's not the biggest get, but this is not a waiver wire claim. You know, people around baseball looked at that and said, okay, trade season. This is the first trade of trade season. It was acknowledged as that. And and so you hope that you get a little bit of momentum with that. I think you just try to not make too much of it. I have to wonder if they were still distracted yesterday, that everybody was talking about in the clubhouse and you saw even just some antics within the game. And, of course, you're going to see that with the fans acknowledging Winker when he comes out and acknowledging JP and Julio and them acknowledging the crowd, too. I think you need to pull it back in a little bit more and, and focus a little bit more and realize that you were on a good path and that you still have to do some pretty big things to get to where you want to be because you kind of missed out a month ago. But because of that second wild card, it's not insurmountable. So I think probably you take a look at the all-star break and say this is where we need to be at this point, and you put that a little bit more in front of you. I know baseball is a day-to-day sport, but you want to see progress towards something. And rather than look at the end of the year right now, what can we do in the short term to take a step toward that? I'm seeing the same question on the text line, Shannon, uh, the appeal process. Are you familiar with that? How long does that take? What does that process even look like? Well, well can it, I tack on a question as part of the response? Because I was, I was thinking that can we also add they can still play while they're appealing, right? Yeah, that's okay. why they were in the game last okay, night. Yeah. Um, it, it has changed lately. It used to be it could take a long time before your appeal is heard. You used to have to do it in person, which usually was when you were on an East Coast trip. It was usually done in New York, which – the Mariners, what, three, four trips to the East Coast already behind them, one remaining. But now I believe they are done on Zoom. So I think it'll be a little bit more expedient than it has been in the past. And I don't know exactly what goes into it, but it seems like there's almost always a reduction. I was literally going to ask, is it kind of like like you get a speeding ticket and you're like, if, if you even exactly. show up to Just try to be up. like, I, I think they're so. like, you know what? Good on you. <laughs> I think I'll knock so. 100 bucks. Off. I think so. Um. All right, well, uh, they're looking ahead to uh, Carlos Santana being out there. We know that he can help at first base. He had a great month in Kansas City. Do you think that that's something that, that he can kind of sustain a little bit moving forward? Is he? Uh, how can he help this lineup specifically? 
Uh, you know, he's going to give you a little bit more than you've had specifically in the DH spot. You know, that obviously has been a black hole for the Mariners yeah. this year. And anything um, that you can take at that point is going to be good. You, know, you can fill in at first base while, while Ty France is out. That's going to be important as well. And he also is one of those see-the-Z players that you hear about with the Mariners, that he is somebody that can lengthen the lineup, make it a little bit more tough on the pitcher. And if he's on, he's a legitimate hitter. If he's not, at least he's going to give those at-bats and make it tougher on the pitchers. What are your expectations tonight, Shannon? Um, (laughs) Is the crowd still going to be into it? I mean, is is she going to get ovations? Or should we encourage everybody just to move on? (laughs) Yeah, should we tell everyone listening, stop cheering for fighting <laughs> let's let's focus on the puppies All right, right now. there we go <laughs> the That's where I, am. I like it i like it let's get those wins because they had a puppy she is shannon dreyer for michael bumpus for curtis rogers i'm stacy ross this has been the dugout on seattle sports station don't go anywhere wyman and bob comes up next